Nothing, I figured it out. They say when I sing, I'm the voice of the South. Give thanks to the Lord, cause I'm making it out. I can't believe I'm living my dream. Early morning flights, the skies are filled up with these whistling wings. Slice that dreams are made of. Look at God's creation. Those coming in as we struggle to load. Kid number two is a hell of a load. Shots going off as they dropping the hood. It's so cold in my car, keeps sticking. I'm being precise with the notes I'm picking. My lead is true, so no duck, I'm missing. Full choke, so I'm good at a distance. I shoot a retake, I shoot a, I shoot a retake, I shoot a retake, I shoot a, I shoot a retake, brush up the blind, ain't wasting no time, and we gotta grind. What's going on, dude? How's it going? Oh, you know, um, been busy. Yeah, in me a, too. In a few different ways. <clears throat> what you been up to? Man, this is our busy season. I've been just, I've been traveling, just with work, just, really just setting up harvesters. How's, uh, how's turkey season? It's good. Good. It lasted all about 15 minutes. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> well, tell me about it real quick. We got a little bit of time. Oh, so we, <clears throat> so I just re- re- drove around a little bit on a couple of pieces of ground I got permission on and saw uh, Tom strutting out in the field, a couple hens. And so I drove past the field, text the farmer, you know, get permission. He's like, he's like, yeah, sure. you're, you make sure there's no one else in there. And he said, yeah, you're good. So I got my scoot and shoot out and the, what, what the hell is a scoot and shoot? Oh, uh, so it's that mojo decoy. Basically that is half a Tom. It's half a strutter and it's got like a fake beard on it. Mm-hmm. And I took off the fake fan and put like a real fan and side feathers, sure. wing feathers on it. And basically I walked down the ditch where you couldn't see. And when I got to the edge of the field, he was probably a couple hundred yards in the field mm-hmm. and I started, got on like basically belly crawling at him. Right. And as soon as I got about 30 yards in the field, I kept about every 10, 15 yards, I'd peek through the fan, not over the top of it, through the fan and about, you know, check how he was and he was still out there. And once I got to 25 yards, he was running. So he came right in <laughs> at me and, and like, I just, then I just stopped and waited and I had my gun basically right there. Yeah. He got to probably maybe 20 yards. Like he was pretty close. And I normally I run an improved cylinder when I do this, but I had like an extra full turkey choke in. Sure. So I wanted to stop him further out, but he was running too fast. So when I dropped dropped the fan, he threw on the brakes and stuck his head up. And I, that's all it was. Is it a headshot when? So when he was that close, I just aimed at the base of the neck. Okay. Like normally I had try and head shoot him yeah but it happened like is it's not like a i'm set up waiting for him it's yeah. a drop 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 the fan and pick up your gun as fast as sure. you can well no you said base of the neck you know i did that podcast with the other colton mm-hmm. and that's where he says he says if you break their neck they're done like yeah. there's stories of getting hit in the head and not dying you know mm-hmm. and running off and probably dying later but mm-hmm. you know you're kind of out of bird at that point but now i was just i was just mm-hmm. curious where you're typically aiming yeah i was and i was running tungsten nines he didn't even flop i've never ran like the tungsten nine shot before dropped him oh yeah he he like basically he he was done and he didn't even flop there was nothing he was just stoned it just stoned him very ethical of you <laughs> yeah i tried <that's> right. <laughs> no. go ahead go ahead sorry oh, so no so yeah my turkey season was about 10 10 15 minutes long that's a, that's good that's good we uh we went this morning actually and uh so we set up I don't know. We were on the tree line. I don't know. I had the decoys out like 25 yards. Mm-hmm. And Colton was telling me, he's like, they're either going to fly on our side or they're going to fly down here. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a 50-50 shot. And we even talked about it. We kind of kicked ourselves in the ass for it. They flew to the food plot side, which mm-hmm. was behind us. They didn't come to the open field. But we, uh, no luck there. So then we got up and then we just kind of started i guess i don't know spot and stalking them mm-hmm. for my terms i don't know what you call that in, tur- yeah. in turkey terms but we uh came up to a field and there was two strutters and then there was two hens and they were probably looking at the field this way you know looking at the birds they were probably on like this closest third you know mm-hmm. so we were kind of like late to the party so we like crawling down this gravel or 
on your knees or whatever, sliding, whatever you want to say. Got hens didn't see us at all. They were kind of like where the hedgerow starts to bend. Like they were pretty, I don't know, couldn't see us. The two toms on there, and they were like strutting right in the middle, you know, like mm-hmm. one right after another. So we're sliding and we're sliding and we get decently close. And I'm like, I'm trying to rain shit. I'm like, well, that last tree is 35. And I'm like, they're at least another 30 yards. And they never did stop. They were just constantly moving. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. We got like 60 yards from them and they spotted us. And they, the first one actually didn't. First one ran, like just did its own thing going by us. Second one definitely saw us. And he like, I've never seen them like do that. They, they just like tuck up and go. Yeah, they're gone. Dude, they run. <clears throat> and then it's hilarious. So we're still sitting there waiting because the two hens are still out there. And they're, uh, what did, what did Colton call that? Uh, popping or mm-hmm. clucking or. I don't know. Yeah. Is it called a uh, putting? I, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're sitting there just waiting a minute. And one, the, the first bird we saw actually got within like 20 yards of us. Right. But he's in like this other hedgerow and it's, there was no shot. Like we saw him for like two seconds mm-hmm. and he just like did his own thing. Like he still never saw us, but that fucking second bird that went across <laughs> Next thing you know, maybe like three minutes later, the opening, you know, looking at from like us being 60 yards from where he skirted across, like it's decently wide, you know, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, you just see, you go fucking <laughs> take it off the other way. I'm just sitting there behind Colton. Colton's got his fan up and I just start laughing, man. He's like, what are you laughing about? I'm like, you see that thing? <laughs> like, I don't know, dude, it's <clears throat> weird. Like never hunting them. Mm-hmm. And even like hunting today, I'd call that a hunt. Like it was cool to see. Yeah. And especially like this morning seeing like hearing them up in the roost, like whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, that's, that's cool being that close. Cause I've never been that they're, close. Yeah, they're loud. Yeah. It's cool. And it just like echoes throughout like, I don't know, the trees, the valley, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. And then I was just like, I don't know. I was never nervous, you know. I almost felt like I was just out there for fun, mm-hmm. and I was I was ready to shoot one, and just didn't get to. They're cool, and I've never. No, I'm the same way with turkey hunting. Like I've never gotten nervous with it, but that's because I'm not a big turkey hunter. And 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 that's like no disrespect to the animal no. either, dude. You know what I mean? If turkey's your jam and that's what you want to do, dude. If if turkey hunting is your freaking whitetail hunting. That's awesome. Yeah. And I get fired up because like for me with turkey hunting, spring's our busy season, so I never have time to really get into it. Yeah. So I get excited. I get fired up for turkeys for about one one to two days, like one weekend a, a season. I'm yeah. Like, really? Uh, yeah. You're like, you get fired up because you, you know you're like, well, it's either going to happen this weekend or not because I'm going to be gone this weekend, gone busy, yeah. this, that, yeah, type of thing. All right. What are we talking about today? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just talking about getting permission on a new property, just touching on that a little bit. And then how we, just a popular scenario, happened to me a couple times. You've been trying to get on hunting property. You get busy over the summer and then it just never falls in. And finally you get the, the landowner calls you back and you get permission either during the first part of the season or late summer and how you would effectively go about that. Oh, for sure. And I feel like obviously – the earlier you can get permission, the better, you know, you get used to the property, yep. but that's not always the case. Like you said, it can be a, a late phone call or mm-hmm. e- even like sharing a property too. Like it'll say you got to wait for hell. I don't know. Wait, there's a, you, there's a kid hunting it. Yep. You got to wait for due season to get done. Then you can get in there. Like how you would go about it type of thing. So, or you, you, let's say you draw, you put in for a tag or you're, if it's over the counter, you're going to get a tag. You're going to get a tag to go hunt some state that you've always wanted to hunt for a deer. Mm-hmm. You get that and you said, okay, well, I've only got, you know, I can only take one week off work. So yep. you got 10 days to do it. Make the most of it. Make the most of it. Yep. And even, and we guys, we are going to talk about like how you do get permission. And once you do get it, like things you can do, but also like public ground too. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a, big uphill battle i feel like because yeah. you're sharing it with mm-hmm. uh more than one guy so i don't know go ahead uh let's jump into 
how you would go about getting permission. Like, what are things you can do, offer, and if it comes down to it, just straight up paying them for it. Yeah, there are. It's 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 not like the days of old where like a lot of handshake agreements are, are getting done. I mean, it's no. it's sad, but guys. I mean, around us, they're getting 50 bucks an acre just for hunting permission, just for hunting license. Welcome to 2023. Yep, exactly. And my whole thing of going about it, so you're not really, I've always like try and judge the quality of the hunting ground. Not just, I see some deer out there. It's pro- I think it's probably got good deer in it. Then go, I really try and look at satellite. If, if like, for example, I did this when I went to, went to college. Mm-hmm. I wanted to deer hunt. And so <clears throat> I, but you know, I'd see deer everywhere, you know, out, out in farm ground, but I didn't know anything about the area. So how I did it, um, down South there, I basically, I'd look, look at it, drive around, kind of get a good feel for it. And then I'd jump on Onyx or Google maps or whatever, look at the property and then on public and private, both right. of them. And it this kind of starts to dip into picking like picking a piece apart, right? Mm-hmm. Like things you want, things you don't want, things you're looking for. So don't necessarily go too much into that. Just <clears throat> with that being said, you already know all those things. Yep. How are you going into that? Because we'll we'll touch on all that for sure. I just don't want you to give anything away yet. Yeah. So I would say it's just like making sales, like in a sales position. You're gonna go up. I would probably I wouldn't just give them a phone call because it's really easy if you're if you're calling them and they don't know you. It's very easy for them to go nope and hang up the phone. And especially nowadays, I feel like five years ago, if some random phone number called you, you answered it yeah. and you said hello or whatever. Nowadays, and I'm guilty of this, if I get a random phone number that calls me, you can bet your ass it's going to voicemail. And if yeah. If it's that big of a deal, they'll leave me a voicemail and then they'll shoot me a text or one of the two, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, who's answering just a random fucking call? Especially when it comes to getting permission from them to hunt their ground, right? Yeah. And a lot of the problem with it now is people have been so happy for so long that a lot of people don't want you on their ground just because they don't want the liability. Right. So a smart thing to do also is when you're going to go around and get property... You can get a simple liability release. They're, they're, it's just simple. It's just a safety blanket because, and that's just another thing to get you know to get through their uh, objections. Like, well, no, we don't want the liability. Well, what if I was willing to sign a liability release? So, like, I'm going to be a safe hunter, but if I get hurt out here, mm-hmm. I can't sue you for negligence. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And mm. even like how you said, like how a handshake isn't doesn't do it justice anymore you know Mm -hmm. just by word of mouth and you kind of got to know your crowd too right who you're talking to like if if you go to i don't know some good old boy who's got a lot of ground and if you do try to bring like a con like actual contract into it that might scare someone away like they're like i don't want to sign a piece of paper over deer hunting you know what i mean yeah so you kind of got to know who you're talking to and like I guess what you're saying about your liability thing is much different from a contract. Yeah. But just kind of know who you're talking to, right? Like, yep. And, and the hundred, one of the things I would, I would say if you're in ag ground, all farmers, you can bet early in the morning, they're going to be at the local gas station or coffee shop or cafe having breakfast, whether it's the Casey's or the local quick stop having coffee and breakfast. Well, and I also feel like, especially like what you do, it is a huge benefit because, like, honestly, put me in, have me getting permission on ground that you know, right? Let's mm-hmm. say ground that you even hunt. Mm-hmm. Me talking to those guys is a huge difference from you talking to those guys. Like, they know you. Like, you've done work for them. They've probably helped you out with things. Like, there's there's a connection there. Yeah. It's a big difference. And for most people, too, if you don't have those connections— talking to a complete stranger trying to hunt their property. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that's what I would, that's what I would say. The more personal you can make it is the better. And I would, if it goes it's kind of old school, but if you can do it, like offer to help them out with something, 
like if they're if they do if you find out if they're doing small bales, if they're doing doing hay small bales, hey, can I exchange some you know farmhand work exchange for hunting? Not and even then, like it doesn't even have to be farm work. It could be hey, do you need that shed painted or yep. hey, do you need all this shit cut down? Like what can I do to help you out just to show that I'm I really appreciate hunting your property mm-hmm. and I want to show like respect and. Hundred percent. Thank you, and not just by word of mouth. You know, like taking it further and actually benefiting them. Hundred percent. Yeah, because they really don't have anything to gain. No, not at all. Nothing, nothing to gain. No, and don't get me wrong. Like you will run into those guys who has some property and no one hunts it, and Mm -hmm. they will straight up tell you no. Yeah, and that's just how they are. And well, you know what? It's their property. They can. They can say whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. You know, it's, it's theirs. If yeah. they don't want you killing shit out there, then you're not gonna. Yeah. And I would say it's it's just a numbers game at that point where, like, you're going to get told no. Not everybody is going to want... It's not going to go well the first time you go up and talk to somebody. And so I would just... If you don't get it, move on. And just go to another one. And then ask them the next year. And then ask... Don't be persistent. asking them the same, like, multiple times in a year. But come by... Maybe he says, well, this guy's... Stop by. He was nice. He was respectful. You know, don't show up in basketball shorts and a ratty t-shirt. Or, know? like, I'm glad you said that. Or, don't show up in a full fucking, just say, you you know, you hunted some public and you just got done hunting. Don't show up in your camo mm-hmm. and, like, dude. Look nice. Yeah, like, I'm not saying wear a freaking suit. No. Or like, but- a, like, even a polo, I feel like, is a stretch. Like, man. Just don't show up like a scumbag, right? Yep. Like, have on a good, not a, like, dude, just dress normal. Yeah, just don't normal. show up like, I don't know. And also, like, with anything, right? And I and I always say this, and I keep saying it: the more time you put into something, mm-hmm. the better it's going to be for the outcome, yeah. right? Like, the more time you put into trying to get ground and talking to different people and Hey, can I do this? Or can I exchange hunting rights for work? Or even if it is paying them. And they say no. Jones is like, oh, well, I tried. I guess I'll stick to public. Like, no, like you said, keep going. Like, get two or three. And it's it, it's little simple things like that. Like, once you have permission, like, be respectful of it. Don't be leaving trash. If you find any... if. It, Leave every gate how it was. If it's if a gate's open, leave it open. If it's closed, leave it closed. Don't be crossing fences if, if it you ju- can. Yeah, unless you're at gates. Yep. If uh if it just rained two inches, well, okay. if you normally drive to a certain place and park and then walk, don't do that. Stay on the main driveway or the main you know gravel, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Whatever. Don't tear it up. Like treat it like it was your own and how you'd want it treated. Yeah. You know. Leave it better than it was. Do everything you can to make them happy, and it is going to work out for you in the long run and just almost guarantee you places to hunt knowing that you've kept that relationship built up. Oh, for sure. I don't know. I feel like that's fair when it comes to getting permission, what you can do. Yeah. Just do what you can do, and it goes a long ways. Yeah, for sure. And I I don't know. I keep going back to like what you said. I really like how you said if they tell you no— Okay, no big deal. Thanks for your time. Move on. Yep. Go try again. Try again next year. Not even, yeah. And even if it's early in the season, try the next house. Try the next piece of property. Like, like, just don't give up on it. Yeah. Because, I don't know, we both don't hunt public ground, and I'm so glad we don't. Yeah. But from there, okay, let's say you do get that ground, Mm -hmm. and... It's relatively late, like we're talking about, like you're saying, early September, late August, a little later than you'd want it to be. What are you looking for in that property once you get it? And I know, like like we said, we both already have a general idea of what we want, mm-hmm. but for a guy who's just getting a piece, let's say they're like, hey, you can hunt this, and you're like, okay, let me get out there. Never seen it before. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for? So what I look for is any transition, transition zone, and I'll actually it's really hard to find full sections of ground where we're at because oh, everything's pieced out. Other part of the country is it's really easy to find 
a, a square square mile, you know, one property. But since we're not, so I always start zoomed out where I can see the full square mile. So that way, because deer have a big home range, so I can Definitely. see about what they're going to do. And then Depends I, on the deer too. Yeah, it does. And I'm going to sit there, mark, I just do it really fast. I mark up a map, you know, iPad or computer, just marking dots, food. Yeah. All the food sources in the section, all where I believe they're bedding. Yep. And any sort of travel corridor, because if, at least in our part of the country and probably, you know, the whole, you know, wherever you're at probably can be applicable. If you zoom out, you might not see it when you're just zoomed in on your 80 acres, your 20 acres or your 200. You might not see it, but when you pull zoom out to, a, to, to where you can see the full section, you can see about like if I was going to walk from the south side to the north side of this section, yep. how would I do it? If I was going to walk from the west side to the east side, how would I do it? Then you look at what that where those lines cross your property, and that's I would start looking at those. Then I'd zoom in and go, okay. So if the deer are going to come from, I think they're bedding on the neighbors, but they're coming to mine to feed. That's where I would go, and I would never, if unless I know a property, I never really try and get into the transition zones until the rut's on, because I don't want to blow them out in early the, season before I know what they're going to do. You're saying like those deeper spots right like something that you're gonna go in there and you're gonna put your sin in there and you're going a decent away you know you're not hunting what do they call it like the fringes so to speak like you're more in depth with the property yes. right so like like in their travel corridor like yeah. like if i know like explain these things to you like i know okay. t- talking to you and me like we get this thing but also i'm always like god do people listening know what we're talking about and maybe well, they do maybe new. they don't yeah for sure and that's like a big part of this because I feel like a lot of guys do have a general idea when they do get a property, what they're doing. But if it is a kid's first time or he's just a newer hunter, mm-hmm. like break these down, like what travel corridor. I mean, that's, I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory, but t- break it down sure. a little more like terms like that. Just, okay. Yeah. So like you're saying, like there's really, and I'm just, I'm using a property I hunted growing up, for example. So they basically, they had a travel, we were in the middle of the section. Mm-hmm. We were the middle 80 of the 640. Yep. So of that mile of the mile. Yes. And so they, ba- they bedded down on the neighbors to the South and they had to come North to us to feed. And basically the, our property and then the one to the North of us, again, that's where all the food was at. So there was one Creek bottom and that's was there, how they got through to all the the ag fields, which that was a great choke point. So like right. choke point, bringing them all where they, instead of spreading them out, you know that they're going to come through that area. Pinch point, Pinch choke point. point, whatever. Yeah. Wherever you're from, whatever you call it. So I would look for that, but I would not go into their, like, if I believe, hey, this is probably where they're coming through, I wouldn't go in there the first time and go sit right in the middle of the travel corridor. For sure. Because you don't know what they're going to do. And I like how you started with, travel corridor and then pinch point because if you would have just said water or food like you said everything around here is broken up you know Mm -hmm. what i mean it's not often that you're getting a full whatever 200 acres 100 acres Mm -hmm. and honestly even small like that's huntable like the guy might own that much ground but what's huntable you know what i mean like you're not hunting typically i feel like 200 acres of straight up hunt huntable ground Mm -hmm. and with everything being broken up and being in like this ag area where you're like well i got a bean field here for food it's like well that's great so does that guy so does that guy so does that guy Mm -hmm. it's like and if you say water it's like well that's cool he's got a pond he's got a creek there's another creek back here that guy's got two ponds like i'm glad you didn't start with like the main like Food and water, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like going into that, you know? Well, and the main reason I don't is because how many times have we seen, okay, well, there's a cornfield. Yep. And you know, once cornfield's cut, they're going to eat the corn. You set up, you basically drive around on a four-wheeler on the edge of the field. Hey, there's a big trail right here. Mm-hmm. Maybe a rub. I hang a stand 30 yards away from it. Right. And then you sit in that stand, you're all excited, and all the deer come out from 100 yards away. Sure. If you've got a rifle, that's no big deal. Sure. You know, if, if you're going to rifle hunt, set up on the cornfield where you've got the shortest shot either way from you. Yep. But if you're bow hunting, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't mess with the food so much. I would get to a spot that's going to look that you can essentially the first couple hunts, I would use it as I'm going to figure out what these deer are doing, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to disturb them. So even if I'm 80 to a hundred yards away from where I think they're going to be, right? then I know, okay, every one of these deer came through the Creek to get to the food or I didn't see them come through the Creek, but they had to of to get there. See, and I've, I've kind of had the same scenario happen almost like a double-edged sword right like hunted the hedgerow you know trying to stay out but where i put that stand it was almost like just a natural pinch point like mm-hmm. they could cross in the hedgerow wherever and they did but for some reason they really liked using this i don't know 30 yard gap right yeah and i was decently close to it so i was like i'm trying to stay out but also they're just using it mm-hmm. and That all goes back to, and we don't have to get into that, just like hunting your right winds, you know, like if they're coming from the south and you got a north wind, Mm. probably not going to work out very well. Your scent's going to blow all through that field and they're going to pick you up. But if you can hunt it with what, you know, your ideal wind and you can make it work great. Like I, I feel like it's okay to kind of dabble in, you know, closer to those travel corridors Mm -hmm. and your pinch points. If you're doing it smart. Yes. And I would say if you're doing it smart, great. I just wouldn't go in there barging in there, put down a ton of scent because maybe you, I mean, you don't know, maybe this property has been hunted for years. Sure. Maybe it hasn't. And if it hasn't, these deer aren't used to being disturbed. No. And then they're going to know you're there. Mm -hmm. And so then that's going to change them. So I kind of like to play it. I play it pretty conservative until I, it's time to get aggressive. Oh, definitely. And so, I I just use the first couple times just to see what they're doing. I very rarely well I hate to cut you, but what you're saying it's kind of like making me think that's also a property that I know. Mm-hmm. And when I first picked it up, I wasn't doing that. Yeah. So that's my fault for going into knowing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like being like you're saying a fresh property, I would not do that. So I just, I just had to say that cause I, it just like a catch 22 in my head. No, like, yeah, you're good. And, but that's my thing. Cause like I very rarely will set up, um, like I very, very rarely hunt the full season yeah. on, in the tree that I've hanged my first tree stand or sure. I've done it to where, Hey, we're just going to go see, I, I like if I really don't know what they're doing, mm-hmm. I'll go out there and just sit in a chair, you right. know, like behind in some brush or cover. Yeah. But where I can see everything and just see what they're doing. Like, okay, they're coming, they're coming here. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's when I go, okay, they're coming here. There's a good tree. I want to hang a tree stand on. And then I'll slip in on them like that. But I I would just go for that because cornfields are big, which is nice. They have a ton of food and then they're gonna end up in there. But you need to know where they're going to end up. And again, if you have a rifle, just it's right. It's I rifle hunt. I love rifle hunting. But just, hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it, at that. It it does make it nice, but if I would say you pick a food source, come rifles. Sure, and also like what you're saying, like back to it, looking that up on whatever Google Maps, mm-hmm. Onyx, Go Hunt, whatever, whatever app you're using or mm-hmm. internet deal, and then optics too, like sitting back from the road watching them. Like okay, you see them all here in this cornfield. Where are they funneling into? What where do they like to migrate to yeah. when they go into that timber or whatever? You know? Mm-hmm. And it would be and the reason I kind of go off of this is because like I've got a few pieces of property to hunt and I have I don't it wouldn't be feasible for me to put a dozen cell cameras on every property. And so honestly, that's not feasible for a lot of guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I feel like and don't get me wrong, man. If if I could, I would run a bunch of cameras. And yeah. but I don't have the money to be doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have shit. I think I have three cell cams, and I think all my normal cameras done shit out on me. Mm-hmm. So I think I have three cameras, right? And I typically do one on each property. You know, yeah. And that makes sense. And like. Going to the whole camera deal. I think cameras are a good tool, but I don't think they're the end all be all that people think they are because you're only getting whatever the angle is on that one tree. If a deer walks behind the tree, you're going to miss them. 
or if they walk a little bit to the right and they don't trip the camera, you're not going to see it. Well, and that doesn't happen on accident either. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Sure. Sometimes they just miss the camera, but those older, smarter deer, I feel like, Mm -hmm. they know where that camera is, you know. They're aware of it, and they will do whatever they can to avoid the damn thing. Like, it it happened to my brother on that property that, Mm -hmm. uh, that I didn't hunt and didn't have any pictures of this deer, and he saw it, like, a few times, and it was pretty far out i'd say like but he was just you could just tell the way he was moving on it mm-hmm. he went down and around the camera or circled up you know yeah and then another what so we're going back to the online deal and like i can't stress how much it's helped me once i started pulling back and looking at the full section as a whole rather than my 80 in this and i'll mark it down if i know the neighbor is going to hunt that really hard Okay, the deer, sure. the deer are going to get a lot of pressure from here. Huge. And so they, so yes, it, I might think that the deer would travel here, but they might not because they're going to get a ton of pressure from this, the one, one side of it. Right. And, and that can take more than one <clears throat> season to figure out, you know, 100%. you can set up a property. You think you're golden, but next thing you don't even know it, 20 yards behind you, dude's got a stand, got a feeder, got a camera, whatever. And like you know, maybe not hunting, right? Maybe it's just him being in there. Mm-hmm. That's going to affect you being that close to another, 100%. another person. And there's nothing wrong. If you ask me with hunting, like property lines, obviously, you know, do it smart and do it right. Like mm-hmm. don't, don't shoot onto the neighbor's property if you don't have the permission. Yeah. But that all goes into effect, like knowing the neighbors too. And a lot of that can come from the landowner mm-hmm. and in my situation, like he, he told me straight up, he goes, Hey, this guy sometimes hunts, but doesn't really do it much. Like he'll go rifle hunting every once in a while. This guy doesn't. I'm like, that's perfect. You know, it's good to know, but yeah, because if they both are avid hunters, well, if you got to stand here on the close to the property line and he's got one close to the property line and then he's got one close, it's like, well, all you're going to do is make these deer do this. Yep. Go around you guys. And go nocturnal. Definitely. And it can scare them and it can do it quick. Mm-hmm. But knowing that maybe where you thought was the best spot on that uh, property line with those other stands being there on those other properties, maybe you're better off being a hundred yards to the south or to the west or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Because those deer are avoiding that. Like it's so situational. Mm-hmm. I feel like. It just takes time. Yeah. And it's the whole, it comes down to the whole thing that the animals are going to be where the, pe- the pressure is not. So for example, like I believe we talked about on my first podcast, my dad, he's, when we <clears throat> had a farm in Missouri, we hunted um, neighbor, neighbor down there in the Ozarks. He shot the bit, the three biggest deer we've ever killed down there from sitting at the gate where we parked the truck. The, the spots where you guys did not want to hunt. Yep. Cause we were, we were all in the stands and we had enough people, we had too many people there with the big family, there's a big family deer camp. And so you got to share it. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, well, all the stands are in all the spots are covered. So I'm just going to sit by the gate and every single year he would shoot the biggest one right by the gate. It's because we were all in, in the woods pushing them out and he was right by the gate. And you know, I get it. Like <clears throat> who, who wants to just sit at the gate and hunt there? You want to, you know, get a stand, whatever. I think I would have figured that out after the first year. Yeah. Second year back, I would have been like, oh, nope, I remember that. I'll, I'll hunt the gate. Yeah, know? because if you think about it, seven guys going in on a property where I wanted to, I was young. I How wanted big to a go, property? Do you remember? 200 acres, I think. I mean, we had a lot of people. Yeah. But it's thick. I mean, it's really, really thick. All there. depends on the layout, too, for yeah. sure. So, But we, it's also hard to get seven guys on one property all hunting the right winds. Mm-hmm. All doing it. And the, we Sure, and don't expect that to also be in a younger age. Like, you don't even think about that. Mm-mm. But I'm sure there was probably a couple stands or three, two or three that were, well, that deer going to do this. He's going to end up up here by the gate, and sure enough. Yep. And so that's another thing with bedding areas, another thing I'll mark on the on the map. And this is one thing, like, I always mark it on the map where I think they're going to bed. Like you're saying where you think they're going to bed. Is there anything you're looking at on the map that gives that away? Like, what would you say their general, 
looking at it from above. Yeah. So looking at eagle eye view, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. So looking at it from above, general rule of thumb, you basically take the main food source, whether that's an alfalfa field, crop field, whatever their food source is, those are going to bed within 200 yards of that. They're going to be within 200 yards of the main food source. Bucks are going to be on the outer and mature. Now, like the young bucks and the does will bed together. Mature bucks are going to be behind them. So how far typically could you even put a number on it or is it just depend? I don't, it just all depends. Sure. So I figure I just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be close, but they don't, again, mature close, bucks but are not too close. Yeah. Mature bucks are kind of, you know, old and cranky like to be by themselves. Right. And so like a lot of times you can get crop field, kind of a thicket or a hillside going up into the timber. Them does are going to be bedded down right along that food pl- the, the food source. Does that still apply? Like if you do have a food source and then the neighbor has one and this neighbor has one, do you just take, well, I'm not good at math here. So there's the circumference or the radius or whatever you call it of each one. And like, cause don't get me wrong. It would be great to be able to hunt and, you know, go figure out exactly where they are, but it's other people's property. So you can't like, do you just get as what you think is the most educated on the property that you have yeah. and do it there. I do. And like, but I look at it and sometimes I'll be like, okay, well the food source goes here, but the neighbors have a big CRP patch that's butts up to this cornfield here deer. They're going to bed down in there. And so that's how I would figure out they're coming there. Or if you've got, you know, we got an ag field, neighbors got an ag field, everything. I would just mark, okay, maybe they're not bedding down by mine, but there's a thicket near the neighbors. That's where they're going to bed down to, and they're right. going to come off of his property. Well, and I kind of, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of didn't say that right. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm saying, take like you're saying, your two two hundred yards. Is that what you said? Yeah. Take your circle, take their circle, take the other circle if it is, you know, three food sources, yep. and then look where they cross. Onyx maps are nice, but I like the the feature basically of like taking a screenshot on an iPad when you can mark up on it. Because draw on it. I'll draw on it. And draw on mine or draw. I've got so many marks on mine. Yep. And it's it'll change too. So like always does. We've done this for people that we put food plots in for. He's like, hey, take a look at the property, see see what you think. Yep. And I'll just do a quick this is an educated guess how I would do it. And that's that's what I would do. Well, and it depends too, like on that food source. Like if it's a rotating crop, right? If it's corn or beans or maybe Maybe you start to pick up on that when you get beans in, you have really good years. You you know, you get more activity, but when it's corn, maybe you don't or whatever the case yeah. may be. Like there are so many things I feel like in, excuse me, there's just so many things that become situational and maybe they like this, but they like this better over here. And it just depends. And it could be something as simple as an ag rotation or it could be something totally different, you know? Maybe mm-hmm. it's a drier year or a wetter year or so many things I feel like can play into that, you know? Oh, and it does. And another thing, the food sources change. So when the crops are in, they got tons of food. Sure. But once all the crops get out, then they got to switch to their late season food. So then I was trying to find that too, where, hey, this is an alfalfa field or we we got a five acre clover plot yeah. here or whatever it is that's where they're going to transition for the new food and depends on the depends on what time of season right like i would agree with you and guys when we're saying this this is our situation you know it's what we've seen i feel like they do favor the beans mm-hmm. over the uh over the corn and little side note when it comes to bean guys beans guys um they love them when they're green they love them when they're brown, but there's almost that in-between period, like when they're yellow, and they won't touch them. So maybe they do end up going somewhere else, looking for something, waiting for them to turn brown, and then come back. So they love them when they're green because that's when they're eating the leaves because the leaves have all the sugar and all the protein. And then when they're turning turning yellow, uh, yellow. that's when they lose all the, the, the sugar content goes out of the leaf. Like the nutrients almost, or like... It's still got nutrients, it just doesn't taste good. Okay, I, I just, I just, I always knew they didn't like the yellow, but I never knew like why or like mm-hmm. the scientific side of it. So they, it gets really, really like, they're just, doesn't taste good to them. Bland, almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. probably just not the right taste. Yeah, and they they browse, you know, they're, they're 
big browsers, so sure. they'll pick what leaf, you know, whatever. And then, like, once once they head out before the combine gets to them, they're in there hammering the actual, the actual beans themselves. And then, you know, same with corn, you know, there's going to be more. T- take it a step further. Maybe it's not an ag field. Maybe it's acorns. Yeah. Maybe it's, hell, a cherry tree. Yeah. Maybe it's a pear tree. Whatever, 100%. you know. It Five all depends three. what you're growing, what, what's on your property. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have that, but the neighbors does, and they really like that apple tree. You yep. don't have apple trees. Well. Yeah. Or you're in the big woods, you know, like northwest Arkansas. Sure. Or Arkansas, let's say Arkansas. You got to, you know, oak trees drop acorns every eight years. You got to find, you got to stand by an acorn tree that always seems to drop. Well, you might have to move it around a, a little bit. Or, find when they're hot. Yeah, find it when they're hot. And even going like a step further too is like your entrance and exit. And I feel like so many guys, and I, I find myself guilty of that too. Like I shouldn't walk out this way, but you end up doing it and mm-hmm. you know you shouldn't have, but you did. But like walking out and getting blown at or, you know, yep. do your best to get into where you want to be without alerting them, obviously. And then leaving too. Like I, I get it that like it's dark typically and maybe, maybe they don't know what you are, mm-hmm. but you're still leaving your scent in there. Like they're going to be like, okay, sure. so, something, something was up there at, you know when it's dark like that and they're like, I'm going to, I might avoid that. Like I might, and it, it could just push them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I feel like that's so important. And so many guys just kind of brush it off. Right. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I a hundred percent agree. I definitely stay out of their, the betting, but I always try and know, just trying to get an idea of where they're going to move. And I think pinch points where I have the best luck. Oh, for sure. And and multiple pinch points, right? Yes. There's not just one pinch point or there's not just one area they like to travel. Maybe in the morning they like being up here, but in mm-hmm. the afternoon they like using this. Like yeah. It's not just that one area we're talking about. It can and it can be multiple, especially with adjoining properties that all have same characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. And then typically like so so they, they, when they collar deer and do all those studies, deer typically feed three times a day. And they've been eating out all night long. They've been eating. In the morning, they might eat for a little bit, but they're going back to bed. Back to bed. Yep. They're going back to bed yep. in the mornings. Then in the evening, they're going to basically, they're going to go to kind of a staging area, feed food. And then once it gets dark, they're going to go out in the big, big ag fields. For sure. And I'm I'm definitely going gonna go against that review we mm-hmm. got on apple i'm gonna use a big word mm-hmm. and then there are those like anomalies right yeah where you get that shooter buck cruising right at noon one o'clock like early afternoon or like super late morning like it makes you wonder what he's doing and also depends on what time of year like if yeah. it's november sure you never know yeah but if the rut's on yeah you better be in the stand even like I don't know. We've never claimed to say we have this figured out because we don't. And sure, we've killed some deer, but we don't know everything. No, no, we're we're learning just as much as the new guy, and mm-hmm. we're always trying to figure that out, right? You yeah. know. And I don't know. There's I have scenarios where it just makes me wonder, like, what were they doing? Like, why did he do that? You know. Mm-hmm. And you never really know. You know, there's always going to be something you can pick up for sure, for sure. What about this? Um, kind of talked on it, but tree stands, right? Mm-hmm. Ground blind tree stand, whatever the case may be. How do you, do you, are you the guy that likes to hang one stand and leave it where it is the entire year? Or do you like to move stands or do you do a little bit of both? Cause I'm a little bit of both. Yeah, I do a little bit of a little bit both. Usually the first like year or two, we're constantly moving spots. And I do like ground blinds for that cause it's pretty easy to, like we don't for where we hunt around like where I hunt there's very there's you're limited on options of where you can put tree stands. We don't have a whole lot of big trees. Yep. And I got I got the same scenario. Yep. So I that's why I do ground blinds yep. quite a bit. And I'll move it around pretty fre- frequently or add to. You know what I mean? Like hey, we got a great spot, but over here is a good spot too. So and I try and set it up to where this would work really well on a north wind or this would work really well on a south wind. 
but I'm I'm not afraid to pull a stand and move it. And and that's the thing too. Like, I'll be honest, I don't move or no, I haven't like torn down and hung up very many stands. And I typically just get another. Yeah. And I like leaving them, you know, check them, make sure they're safe, you know, straps are good and whatnot. But I like having multiple options mm-hmm. and having multiple stands because I hate taking them down, hanging them. Like, I feel like it's a pain in the ass, especially in the dark. If yeah. it's super early, you know, or super late, I hate having a headlamp on, making noise. And you try to be quiet, but most of the time you're dicking with the stand, mm. it's dead silent. Oh, yeah. And it's usually dark. Now, don't get me wrong. You can do it middle of the day, sure, whatever. But I've just never been a fan of it. So I'll just do multiple stands on one property. Mm-hmm. No, like, for sure. Like, that's for sure. When I'm the same way, like I, I've never, I've never hung a stand like in the dark and hunted it that day, but I've done it. I in, have. It's a bitch. Oh, I bet it is. And just cause you, know, you can't see anything and, and um, I'm not knocking any single uh, tree stand or hang on, whatever you want to call it. They can make them as light as they want. They are still not light when you're hanging on with the crease under your knee on a freaking screw in step yeah. and you're trying to hold it up. And if it's a ratchet strap, you're trying to throw on or whatever the case may be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we like chaining them. I hate chains. Well, I, I like the light chains and then you run a uh, tensioner. Cause then you never have to worry about the strap like getting brittle. Yeah. You're, oh, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I hate, I don't want to dick with that when I am trying to hang it like super early, super like, yeah. I, I just hate all the noise and they're like, I want to have that stuff etched out well before I'm hunting. 100%. You know what I mean? Well before the season and the summer type, you know? Yeah. No, hundred percent. But yeah, I, I would say, don't be afraid to, you know, be married to a spot. Well, like, well, I just set up a tree stand. I don't want to move it 50 yards over here. And that's okay. Right. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Like, I'm sure I've had the instance where I should probably move this stand down or this. And you don't because it, like you're saying, maybe it is 50 yards. Maybe, maybe you just don't want to dick with it. And that's okay. Yeah. There is nothing wrong guys with, if that's all you can afford is one stand and you get it hung and that's where that stand's going to be. That's fine. Hunt it on the right wind. Yes. I'll say that, <clears throat> you know, you, I feel like at that point, all you're doing is limiting the amount of hunts you get throughout the season. Yes. Right. Instead of having two stands, well, I can hunt this one on a north wind, but I can hunt this one on a south, you know. Mm-hmm. You get more time in the tree, so to speak, better your chance of shooting that deer. Oh, yeah. And another thing, too, like what you said is, like, if you don't have very many options for ground blinds, and I'm guilty of that. Like, this one piece I'm talking about, I got one stand. There's not very many options for another tree, I mean, I guess they, there are, but it's just not ideal, right? Where mm-hmm. in that scenario, a ground blind would be better. And I got the freaking ground blind. It's in my closet. I mm-hmm. just, where I'm hunting at, I, I like where, how they're like accessing that piece of it, you know, like where they're traveling through it or where they're feeding that type of thing, you know, sure. so all situational. No, I agree. But definitely don't think like, have the plan going in, in a, like I, one of the things I get at when I mark up all those properties and everything, that is just the best educated guess. And that's my starting point. And then you update it and learn like, Hey, I thought they were coming here. They're really coming 40 yards to the West of here or East of here. That's how they're getting through, through there. Definitely. I mean, like, like I said, you are not going to get it figured out that first year. Like you're not going to go out, get a brand new piece of property Hang a stand, hang a camera, do whatever, kill a giant. Next year. And you kill could, a giant. And you could, but like you it, could be on luck. You could for sure. It's definitely luck at that point, but actually trying to figure them out. And and, and that's the fun part too, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't have to do that at all. You can pick I like this tree. Maybe it has a good cover. Okay. And you just hunt it out as you might not see very many deer. Maybe you do. Maybe you got lucky. Whatever. But I just feel like the more you put into it the more you're gonna get out of it no i I agree but no hunt to the best of your ability Mm -hmm. and on your budget too oh yeah don't go if you can't afford that many stands don't do it if you can't afford that many cameras don't do it like 
And don't feel like you're limiting yourself if you don't have all those cameras. Because you're not. No. No. Sure, it might help you find the biggest buck on that farm, but... That's not the only way you're going to find them. Not at all. No. No. Just hunt the best you can to your ability and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel like it's that gets lost, too, with all hunting. It almost becomes so... I don't know, like close-minded, right? Like, oh, I gotta kill this deer, or else if I don't, if I don't fill this tag, I'm gonna be mad. No, like, yeah. learn from it. And I, I think I said this in the last episode too, and it just, it just keeps like ringing with me. Have fun in the process. Enjoy everything you're doing. Hundred percent. Because I hate to say it, one day we're not gonna be able to draw our bows back. Yeah, we're gonna be shooting either a crossbow or. No, it'll be a crossbow. I'm not touching a rifle. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. We good? We're good. I think so. All right, guys. I hope you uh, pick something out of that podcast. I don't know. Maybe we're idiots. Probably are. But yeah. I appreciate you guys listening to this week's episode of the Midwest Hines Hunt Podcast. We will catch you next week. See ya. I come up from nothing, I figured it out They say when I sing, I'm the voice of the South Get thanks to the Lord, cause I'm making it out I can't believe I'm living my dream Early morning flights, the skies are filled up with these whistling wings Sights that dreams are made of Look at God's creation Thus coming in as we struggle to load Kid number two is a hell of a load Shots going off like they dropping the hood It's so cold in my car, keeps sticking I'm being precise with the notes I'm picking My lead is true, so no duck, I'm missing Full choke, so I'm good at a distance I shoot a retail, I shoot a, I shoot a retail, I shoot a retail, I shoot a, I shoot a retail. Brush up the blind, ain't wasting no time, yeah, we gotta grind. Hitting the trees.